the Sports Plus show with, well, this week it's uh, just Baker and Joe. Daryl uh, hopefully is out there listening. He's uh, in San Diego visiting his son and his daughter-in-law. So, uh, Daryl, hope you're listening. Uh, we have a special guest. This is actually our, our very first Sports Plus International Edition. We're bringing someone in from Vancouver, British Columbia. He's a WMUA Sports Department alum and a Packer fan somehow. We could talk about that as well. Uh, Dave Hawk. Dave, well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, trying to fill Daryl's shoes. They are large ones. So, hey, before- you, Dave, you've got your computer turned on, so you're already doing pretty good. <laughs> so Dave is here because, and those of you who listen to the show know that Matt's brought this up a couple of times, that he wants to abolish the draft which I thought he was a good socialist like Daryl and me, but apparently not. Uh, so we brought Dave on because he's the, literally the only person I could find who agreed with Matt. So originally there was supposed to be a four-way debate, but Daryl's got family to see. So uh, I'm going to have to take on the burden of arguing for on behalf of Daryl and the other 6 billion rational human beings on earth. But we'll get into that in a minute because uh, the first thing that Matt and I disagree about that we want to talk about today was the cornfield game, the field of dreams game. And uh, Dave being a good millennial, barely knew what I was talking about when I mentioned it. Matt being the one millennial that watches baseball somehow enjoyed it. You want to, you want to go first? I'll let you, I'll let you go first. You know, let me say this. It, it, it was a it was a gimmick. Um, it was good baseball. I I do think I I enjoyed it because I did enjoy. I remember being a kid watching the Field of Dreams with my parents um, and enjoying it. So I did like the movie. Um, it, it actually like I I remember being a kid, kind of curious about what the actual like shoeless Joe Jackson and and that story was. Um, And the fact the listeners out there know I'm a Yankee fan. It was the Yankees. Um, I did not watch the whole game, but it turned out to be a good game, which I think is good for baseball. Um, I think we all agree that baseball is struggling at the very least to um, keep up with the times. And I think, games like this yes they're gimmicky but i think they're good i mean do you i I haven't seen the numbers yet but i'm sure people tuned into it because it was the field of dreams game um and you know the world loves a gimmick and i watched at least the first couple innings because it was the field of dreams and matt you know like i've watched six baseball games all year and five of them were at my sister's house where, where they, and they are the baseball house, you know, extraordinaire. So I, I, I agree. The gimmick was, was popular, but so yeah. What, what, what excited you about it? Like, were you, did you have genuine feelings of, of genuine emotions during that ceremony? The whole pregame garbage. That, that part was silly. That part was still, you know, the, the, the camera, the dramatic entrance of Kevin Costner. Oh, my God. You know, Kevin, Co- Kevin Costner walked out there like he was going out to the freaking Gettysburg battlefield. Yeah. Instead of a, a, a you know, exhibi- what seemed like an exhibition baseball game. But, yeah. You know, and, and yeah, I mean, I almost wonder. I get what you're saying. And it did have a feel of that, like, exhibition type game. You know, I wonder if it would have 
if you would feel different if it was a preseason game, would you feel different about it? But, you know, I, I, in the middle of the game, you know, they do in-player interviews, and they were interviewing uh, Garrett Cole, who I'm, I always hold my breath when he talks now. <laughs> you never know what he's going to say, right? But he even said, you know, it's kind of cool. As players, we, we are now away from all the technology that's part of our games, all the videos and lights and, you know, all the, the huge major sound systems, and we're just playing ball. Um, and so I kind of, I took that like, all right, it, it, it's a, it's a baseball game and, and they're hitting balls into the corn and. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm glad, I'm glad you steered it there because that brings up two of my pet peeves about the whole thing. The first of all, I'll go, I'll go small first. If you're going to use a wall and then you're going to paint corn on the wall, you're not fooling anybody. I, I really, really, really just wanted to see the corn, the edge of the corn be the wall. And you know what? If a guy can go into the corn and catch a fly ball, it should be an out. And I also would have loved to have seen line up 20 kids in a row against the outfield fence. And if there's a home run, let them go. Let them chase the ball let them through the corn. They missed out on that. And the, the, the fake field location, it wasn't where the, the field was built, which is, again, for a, a – it's not like they're they're going back for it's not like this is nostalgia for real history. It's not like they're going back to Ebbets Field or a place where actual baseball history was was made. This is a movie set, right? Mm-hmm. But they couldn't even go back to the same movie set. So if you guys saw the diagrams, this was actually in left field of where from where the original field was built, which stayed intact. But they the only reason they didn't play there was because they couldn't fit eight thousand people's worth of bleachers there so why not play the game in front of 200 people if it really is just about the game and about stripping it down play it in front of 200 people with a sitting in lawn chairs you know with the house in the background it would have made for a much more authentic fake experience and i guess it it would i probably still would be grumbling about it even if they had done that but because the whole thing just seems so contrived dave what do you what are your thoughts yeah, I mean, I, I think you sort of hit my uh, biggest problem with it. And, you know, I don't want to be cynical, but it's this is just a, a cash grab based off a movie. This isn't even the, you know, winter classics in hockey, as silly as they are, you know, they're playing hockey. People grew up playing on frozen ponds, you know, yeah. not to bring Canada into this, but that's a mm-hmm. real thing. No one in Iowa is sitting there playing baseball in a cornfield. It's just ridiculous. Um so I, you know, I didn't watch it, but I did see sort of the gifts afterwards of Kevin Costner and the players coming through the field, and it just, it, it just didn't do anything for me. We're just promoting some intellectual property that, for what purpose? Well, and and we can argue about whether the movie is held up. I, I think it's good for one watching at about age fourteen, and after that. It's, you know, but Dave, I'm glad you did bring Canada into it because um, the guy who wrote the book, W.P. Kinsella, is Canadian. So it's, the, you know, they can pass this off as an all-American thing, but the story is Canadian. And, Matt, I don't, the game was kind of a home run derby, too. So. It was. I, it was. And, and so I watched, I did watch the, the very beginning of it, um, maybe the first inning or two, and I had to get my kids to bed. And then I watched 
the middle innings at one point, I think the Yanks were down like seven to three, I think at one point. And I said, all right, I'm done. <laughs> it, it, I'm not sitting through all, I'm not sitting through this to watch the Yanks get smoked home run after home run after home run. And then I was getting the alerts on my phone, Aaron judge, they go up one run. And then I was, I was getting into bed. I was going to turn it on to watch the end of it. And then Tim Anderson hits his walk off home run. So I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, I, I get what you guys are saying, and, and I don't disagree with it. You know, I don't know. To, it wasn't that big of a deal for me to bash it. I think it was what it was. I think baseball is needing things like this, though, to get people maybe a little excited to watch. You know, we talked about this. Dave, I don't know. Did you watch um, – uh, I was it the – I think it was the Super Bowl – in NFL where they, where Nickelodeon did their like simulcast. Uh, I didn't, so I, I remember, I didn't watch it, but I, I know people enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I, I did see some of the sort of gifts coming out of that as well. Yeah. You know, and like it, it, what the NFL did with Nickelodeon was they had kids, you know, be the, the commentators and the play by play of the, the Super Bowl game. So obviously you're not, if you're a diehard Chiefs fan or a Buccaneers fan, you wouldn't have wanted to watch it. But if you have kids, they they would enjoy it. And you know, you score a touchdown, and there's computer graphic, um, you know, ooze, green ooze shooting out of the end zone, and and it it was a a thing. It was fun for little kids. We we've talked about this. Baseball needs things like that, where younger kids will enjoy watching it. Because right now, I mean, baseball is almost unbearable to watch unless it's playoff baseball and unless it's, you know, a pitcher's duel or something like that, or unless you have something invested in your team, this, it was a gimmick. And I think it got people watching a little bit, you know, was it, was it a, a home run? No pun intended. No, but uh, I don't think it was that bad. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned kids, but, what, what time was this game played? I mean, you mentioned that you put your kids to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, in baseball, if they want to get kids in, maybe this should be like an afternoon type of deal. Fair point, fair point. I, I've got a, a six and a five-year-old. So, you know, around eight o'clock, we get them into bed. The game started at seven. By the time Kevin Costner was done walking in, oh, maybe it was like, you know, 7.30 that the game actually started. So, Fair point. Yeah. Like I said, it did. They did. Did baseball, in my opinion, was it great? No, you know, one game a year, something gimmicky like this. I think, I, I think baseball's knowing that they have a problem. People aren't watching baseball. You're, you're not sitting on your couch for three hours, watching strikeout after strikeout, after hitting to a shift and strikeout. They tried something. Um, Dave, you're 31? Uh, 30. So you were, how many months old were you when this movie came out? When was the first time you saw uh, this, this movie? This movie must have, it has to be from the 80s, right? It's, 30, it's about 30 years old, yeah. 1991, uh, 1990. No, I, mean, I definitely saw it, like, you know, with my, probably with my dad as a child. And, you know, I've probably seen it a couple more times, too. So it, it sort of should be peak nostalgia for me. Um, Interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, it is sort of – it's part of baseball canon. It's part of – it has become sort of part of the 
social fabric of baseball. I wish, I wish that the movie that had evolved into that would have been the natural, which I think was a way more entertaining and way better movie and, and, and holds up. I can watch the natural now and still enjoy it. But the, everything about feel the dreams just seems so corny to me. It seems corny and stodgy. Oh, no, no, definitely no pun intended. Sorry, I'm not that. I'm not that clever. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get what you guys are saying. I don't know. I, I, uh, I actually, I wanted my grandfather, who's ninety three years old, um, and he's a big time baseball fan, Yankee fan. Um, I, I want to try to get in touch with him and, and see. I'm, I'm sure he watched it, and I'd love to get his take on it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't blame baseball for trying, I think. And I don't think it was a complete fail. Do you guys think, it, yeah, that leads into my next question. Do you guys think this will have any lasting effect? I can tell you from my standpoint, I watched that game yesterday because it was what it was. It's not going to make me watch any more regular season baseball. I'll start watching once the playoffs start. Um. I, I think they do it again next year. Oh yeah, I think they wouldn't have built that that facility if they weren't going to keep it there and keep using it. Um, does it have an effect on this year? Probably not. But yeah, I mean, it's the product. It's a gimmick game, but the product is still as much as I love sports and and I I enjoy, I enjoy listening to baseball on the radio. I, I can't sit down and, and watch a game. I, I just, I don't have the time. I, you know, I, I think for too many households you have, we don't even work. We're, we're a, um, you know, Netflix, you stream. My kids don't even know what commercials are now. And to sit down and wait in between pitches and um, you know, I, I just, I don't think baseball is made for today's pace of life. So Interestingly enough, a little bit of a, a side note, I took the boys, my family, to um, the Hartford Yard Goats game a, a few weeks ago. And yard, they have the Yard Goats? Yard Goats. Okay. The uh, Colorado Rockies minor league affiliate. And um, they do have the pitch count there. Um, I don't know how effective, you know, that will be in, in you mean like a, like a pit Like a pitch timer? Yeah, so there's actually um, when there's nobody on base, I believe it's 20 seconds in between pitches. And, it, you know, it's not, I, from what I understand, it's not, you know, the second, it's not like a play clock in the NFL. Right, right. The second it hits zero, the refs are going to throw a flag or anything. But the idea is every 20 seconds, if there's nobody on base, Every 20 seconds, the pitch has to the pitcher has to be in his like approach to, to throw the ball. Um, and and then that's honestly where, that's a lot of time. That's more yeah. than enough time for a pitcher. Like yep. that's time to dawdle, to look into the dugout, to get your sign, to get some rosin. Like that's plenty of time. Mm-hmm. It, they, they want you to catch and throw, and so it got me. Th- runners on base, I think it's 30 seconds. I think oh, they increase it with a runner on base. I think. Um, and I think it's one of those things, like, obviously, like, as, as human beings, change is always met with some sort of resistance. But it'll be interesting to see if the minor leagues keep this up. You know, once these players get to the pros, they're accustomed to it. The, guy, the pitchers did not seem to be struggling for time. Like, plenty, plenty of pitchers 
pitches were thrown with time left on the clock. So, you know, I, I wonder if that will stick. So it's not enough time for Nomar to step out of the uh, box every every time he comes up to the plate to do his you know hand gestures. Though, well, well, I imagine that's part of what it does too, though, because if the pitcher's on a clock, the batter can't walk away because then you're you know what do you do? You pause the clock at that point. So I think that's a it's a good point, David. You know, the, it's as much the fault of the batters who are walking halfway up the up into the mezzanine in between pitches than it is the, the pitchers that are dawdling. And I think one thing kind of feeds on the other too. And then we all end up standing there for an hour watching. But I, yeah. I remember during the playoffs last year, timing sometimes in, in the majors, it was like 45, 50 seconds between pitches, which mm-hmm. is just absurd, especially if all we're going to see are walks and strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that Dave, that's a great point. And if I remember correctly, the, the time doesn't start until like the pitcher, I mean, I'm sorry, the batter kind of gets into the batter's box. So the, the batter still had the ability to delay that start of the clock. But that, I, I was thinking like they should be timing the, the batter as well. Um, there's no, you don't need to be adjusting your batting gloves or, you know, was it big poppy was, you know, he would spit into each glove beforehand, you know, how many times I got to fix my elbow pad or whatever it is. It, it, there's a lot that go on in between pitches. Well, I don't know if this is still the rule on the books, but when I was an umpire, you legally couldn't take both feet out of the batter's box. So if you wanted to do that stuff, you had to sort of drop one foot, do all your adjustments, and hop back in. So it didn't allow for all this wandering away nonsense. Yeah. We'll see. Yankees Dave. are making their run. The Red Sox are fading, so I'm happy. Dave, do you watch any baseball at all? No, I'm I'm a I'm a Labs baseball fan. I mean, I I grew up with it. I, I, my my whole family are huge Yankee fans. You know, like my my dad, the my mom. The only uh, field trips they take as kids was to Yankee Stadium. <laughs> uh, and I still enjoy going to games, especially you know minor league games. It's it's not a bad way. Even if it's three hours, you're kind of sitting outside, cheap beer, cheap hot dogs. That's fine. Uh, but I I can't sit through a, a full baseball game. And, uh, you know, I, I find it too hard to root for a team as, uh, as, you know, purely evil as the Yankees. So, Dave, Dave, unlike the rest of us, Dave has developed a conscience as a, an aging Ooh. man. But the, the best way to watch baseball is, uh, Dave, do you have YouTube TV? And we plugged it enough on the show. But they do it. If you record a game, they'll save just the highlights. And you can watch a, you know, 250 pitch baseball game they'll show you 50 pitches of it but they'll show you the 50 pitches where anything happened or the 35 pitches or sometimes the 12 pitches so you see everything that's interesting about the game you can see it in seven minutes and you get a pretty good feel for a better feel than i would have expected for like the flow of the game and it works it works better i think for baseball and football or for basketball and football rather but Everything works better for basketball and football. So. Speaking of basketball and football. <sighs> okay, here we go. Dave, I was so excited to hear that you wanted to come on and, and debate this draft uh, situation that I've come about. And, and I, I remember I, I texted Joe and I'm like, well, which side of the argument is he on? <laughs> he goes, surprisingly yours. And I'm like, I'm not surprised by that. I have smart ideas. So... <laughs> I wasn't questioning the intelligence of your proposal, just the popularity of it. That's that's all. 
I, I it's it's a far fetched idea, but for those of you first time listeners, thanks for listening. Those of you who have heard the show before, you know we talk about this often. But here's my proposal: you, we get rid of the draft, and it doesn't really work in baseball and hockey as much because of the minor league systems and and all the feeder programs leading up. But in I, I think in football and in basketball you get rid of the draft and basically have a rookie free agency period and that eliminates rookies having to sign with bad run going to demand a trade in 18 months from Dave go ahead let's hear what you got uh first I uh, don't. I don't care for college sports really. Uh, don't, I don't watch college football. The only college basketball I watch is in March. Uh, I do watch college hockey, but I think that's kind of you know, especially college hockey is pretty divorced from this. I just. I, I. I don't. I don't know the best way to do it, but the draft is clearly just a a way to you know force to put undue restrictions on labor. You know, Joe, you joked earlier about, uh, you know, the draft being socialist, but it's I think it's the classic story of America where it's socialism for the rich and, uh, you know, brutal capitalism for the uh, working people. You know, players should have should have the ability to go where they want to play. And, you know, as you said, poorly run teams, it doesn't matter if uh, Cincinnati drafts Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow is great. It's still the Bengals. They're still going to be terrible. It doesn't matter, you know. It's just a bad, it's a badly run organization. So I just don't see the point of it. As a Jet fan, I certainly understand that phenomenon. We're about to ruin <laughs> Zach Wilson, uh, yet another young quarterback. But I think um, it's funny because I am probably the most vocally pro player, at least a member of our regular panel. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's funny. I, I guess it is maybe odd that I would take this tack. But I think, I think the disruption to the game and what would actually happen to the NBA in particular, I think would, would, would render this kind of, and so the other thing that it takes away is a team that drafts well, a team that maximizes a limited opportunity. And what this would do, if you got rid of the draft, it would, it would kind of reverse pyramid the opportunity. All the opportunity to sign players would go to, Los Angeles and Miami and New York and those teams and you know the the Milwaukee's and the Memphises would be at the you know would be left out of all this but I think so you you take away the opportunity for a for a team to write itself quickly and what Milwaukee did would not have been possible if they didn't draft well and make some smart moves let can I interrupt that for a second though because what why it worked for for Milwaukee is strictly because Giannis is is the type of in person that he is. He had opportunities to sign elsewhere, and I think a lot of people are surprised that he didn't because that's not the trend of a superstar isn't to stay with the small market. So whether they drafted him or not, he still had an opportunity to leave, and he chose to stay in Milwaukee. I what I think, and I think Joe, you and Daryl, you you, I think you guys have a notion that the rich would get richer constantly with eliminating the draft, 
And I guess I feel like, A, that kind of happens anyway. And B, I don't think that necessarily would be the case. I mean, we can make the argument now that the Chiefs are right now, right, the, the front runner to win the Super Bowl are the Chiefs. So if you look at the top quarterbacks drafted in this year's NFL draft, none of them are going to sign. If they were rookie free agents, none of them are signing with the Chiefs. Not if they want to play. And the Chiefs, as an organization, wouldn't want to sign them either. So I, I, I do think as balanced as the leagues are now anyway, I don't think a rookie free agency would tilt it either way. But I don't think the bulk of the situations aren't Patrick Mahomes. That's one quarterback out of the other, you know, there might be 23 other quarterback positions that are theoretically up for grabs, you know, each, each preseason. Sure. But any, any, uh, any team that's going into their season, looking at potentially drafting a rookie QB, unless you're, you know, talking about Tampa Bay, uh, you know, New Orleans, when they had breeze, the Packers. Now if you're looking to draft a, a franchise QB, you're not really looking to compete for a Super Bowl that year. You're probably not going to looking to compete for a Super Bowl in the next few years. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think especially in the NFL, not that I'm a big fan of the salary cap again, just, you know, limiting what players can make with the salary cap. If, uh, if the chiefs really value say, uh, that offensive tackle from Oregon, uh, who went to Detroit, you know, they, they can spend whatever, however much of the salary cap they want on him, you know, they're, it's gonna, it's gonna have to come from somewhere. I mean, I think if you want to harden the cap, so you actually absolutely make it a hard limit. But I think what the salary cap allows for is to reward teams that draft well, because while you have these guys in their on their rookie contract and you're paying them two million dollars a year, you know, for Patrick Mahomes rookie year performance, that's how you win Super Bowls by maximizing the value of those rookie contract players. And so if you then are we are we then also getting rid of the rookie salary cap. I imagine we would, if you guys uh, really it, believe in the free market. I, 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 I mean, regardless of uh, what's happening, regardless of the draft, I think you should get rid of the rookie salary cap. It hurts the middle class, of the league. And, you know, it's more fun when teams like the Rams give Sam Bradford, a you know, a hundred million dollar <laughs> contract and he sucks. Like that's, that's a positive to me. Well, but it still allows for the standout, and I know Matt's going to hate this because he hates when this happens, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes got a new contract before his second season, right? Or maybe it was during his second preseason. Well, his Patrick Mahomes' rookie season, he sat behind Alex Smith. Oh, so it was after his second season that he got so After his, his second his season of play, he got that big billion-dollar deal or whatever it was, right? But But if a player outperforms their contract – they can, they can make a stand. And again, Matt hates this. He thinks it's punking out on his team, but I, I, you know, I think it's well within somebody's right. And I think, so I think Matt, I feel like part of this drive for you is to get rid of that is to eliminate that problem. But I don't think it happens very often. I think it gets a lot of attention when it does, but 
I feel like it's a long way to go to solve a very small problem. And, you know, well, but I think it, it, you know, like we, we could sit here and say, and uh, well, I don't like using Deshaun Watson as like <laughs> examples of, of what oh. should happen. Cause he clearly, Oh yeah. We need to save some room for the, for this sports illustrated piece too. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Right. But you know, that, and, and, and I did come around a little bit and, and right. You, you can make the argument that the Houston Texans, well, they drafted well and they've got Deshaun Watson on a rookie contract and good for them. And now he wants out. And, and if you remember Joe, like, I, I did have a problem with that, but then I, I took a week and was listening to your points. And I was like, you know what, if a player, a player's window to earn money and to make a living is so short, if they feel like their talent is being wasted and, and just an organization isn't putting the pieces around them, you know, should they have more of that? I want out. And then that that's where I'm like with the draft. Well, even if you take two to three years, that's still two to three years of wasted time. Why not just get rid of that player in, in 36 months saying, I want out and don't waste those 36 months. Give them their freedom of choice right out of the get-go. And then, you know, you sign a three-year deal as a rookie free agent and see what happens. So you don't like the freedom of choice when they have to force it, but you just want to give it to them. No, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming around on that saying, I understand now why players are like, I, I that was the, the so, conversation. So, so you've cause I would say when we started this show, you, you had, you were completely the opposite on. So you're saying you've, you've made a pretty much a complete 180 since. Not a one eight. No, we've talked about this. Yes. When we, when we were starting, I, I don't like, players it, it's just man i'm just i'm just shocked. i'm sorry i'm making you repeat this something that you said four <laughs> months ago but i've never been told that i've actually changed someone's mind before so it's just good no, for my it, ego it, I you, think. it's it's fair you know i you could it i mean i've been working on you for a year so it's yeah. i never go into any debate or or discussion thinking i can never have my mind changed i'm always open to being wrong it doesn't happen very often um but I'm always open to have my mind change. And, and I just, I do think players should have a little bit more of an ability, or I, I guess my thing is teams and organizations should be held more accountable than they are. There's nothing that is forcing an owner and a team an organization to put a true winning product on, on a field or on a court or on ice or on anything, right? If an owner is just like, I just want to make money. There's nothing held holding them accountable to that. If they make money and by drafting Zion Williamson, the Pelicans as an organization made a lot of money. And 18 months later, he's like, I want out. If he had a, an, an opportunity to be a rookie free agent and sign where he felt not only he could develop, not only the team wants me there, not only do I have a chance to win, I'll be happy there. Then I would feel better saying, look, Zion, you chose to go play for New Orleans. So finish the contract that you chose to sign. So would, would either of you be okay with one-year rookie contracts? The draft where you're bound to that team for a year. 
give these teams, give these bottom feeding teams a chance to show that they're like Milwaukee did with Antetokounmpo. Give them a chance to show that at least you're, you've got capable people in charge and that you're headed in the right direction. So, I mean, I, th- I think that the one-year contract just doesn't work in football. Uh, just the nature, the nature of the sport. I mean, any, any, any player, any rookie, you know, should know it's not in their best interest to sign a one-year contract. Uh, you know, basketball is a little different. You don't, you know, less of a chance of some horrible traumatic, you know, brain injury, I guess. So, A lot of development happens in a year, you know, from year one to year two, even year two to year three. So that, you know, I, I just, when, when players choose to sign a con, and I guess that's kind of like my big gripe. If a player as a free agent chooses to sign, they sign an extension a year into their extension. Now they want out for me that, well, why did you sign the extension then? You know, in Deshaun Watson's case, and again, I, I, I kind of feel Matt bad. Baker, the man who's never changed his mind. Sorry. <laughs> in Deshaun Watson's case, like he didn't choose necessarily to sign with Houston Texans. He was kind of put there. And now he's seeing how poorly run they are. You know, he wants, I, I don't know. That's kind of like where I'm at. So I just think if you give players that choice right out of the get-go and, and right out of college, then. So if you two are all for the free market, allowing the free market to decide b- b- baby Ronald Reagan's, both of you, um, why, not get rid of, <laughs> why not get rid of the salary cap? I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. Okay. So, I, and, and I, I just want to, uh, you know, unlike Matt, I think players should give as much loyalty to the organizations as the organizations give to them. So none, yeah. no, 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 every, every player should be, you know, whether they want to make money or have marketing opportunities or win, you know, they should figure out what they want to do for themselves and their family and do that. You know, uh, well, I think that, Watson, that's competing in, in a league that exists outside the NFL. I think if they, you know, I think if the players wanted to form the players league, people aren't watching. People would watch the Los Angeles sheep herders. You know, people would watch people are going to watch the players, you know, regardless. We saw this when the the scab games in the 80s were played that no one watched because no one cares about the Baltimore Colts or the New York giants. We care about Lawrence Taylor and, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so I think, you know, the, the people would follow the players if someone was bold enough to come up with a, a league that existed, you know, a separate league and could draw those players different story. But the reason the NFL is valuable is because it's, it's TV contracts. And that's, you know, if you want to, you want to make a change, Start there. Start with the advertisers. Get advertisers to threaten to, to pull things. But again, like these aren't these aren't these are giant economic systems that aren't going to be upended, you know, in a year or two or five. It's going to happen slowly. But I would love to see all the money go to the players. I really would. But particularly in the NBA, if you got rid of the salary cap and got rid of the draft, the Lakers you know, you're talking about four teams essentially that would have a chance, you know, and and there's teams would, would, would slip in and out of that, that top four, you know, at times in the last 20 years, the Spurs have been one of those teams that were 
perennial championship contenders. Now they're kind of not so much, but. But I, I mean, but any that, of these, any of these owners could put up the money to make it worthwhile to come to New Orleans. You know, these, these, these people could do that. They have the ability to do that. They could build, you know, they could build an organization anywhere into something where stars want to go. Well, I don't think so. I think you still have, you know, the Lakers and the Knicks are always going to have resources that, you know, Milwaukee and New Orleans don't have. It's helped the Knicks a lot over the past. Uh... <laughs> and then I was going to say, too, I mean, look at the, the, the Lakers now. I mean, even you have a draft and you have a salary cap, and, and especially in basketball, you still have the Lakers and, you know, those teams at the top are still there. Um I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I also think too, it, it, I don't know. I, I think it would spread out rookie talent and, and rookie talent in the NBA, in the NFL, you don't win meaningful championships, you know, Eastern conference champion, you know, you don't win those with rookies that you need veterans. You kind of got to put your time in. So I don't think so, even if, even if you had, in, in a free agent rookie week and you had, um, uh, you had, um, I don't know, uh, a Milwaukee signed five of the top rookies like Duke gets every year. That fa- professional basketball team isn't winning a championship with five rookie starters. No, but if the same team is getting the best two or three rookies every year, it's it's as you think about it over the course of of years and decades. If the Lakers are getting the top three college players into their camp every year and keeping two of them and then trading one, you know, if you can get you can get you can clear six roster spots before the draft and get or before the right. whatever the rookie signing period and get the six best players to sign with you, then you trade a couple of them away. You know, this is a it, it's yeah, but but event but eventually you're gonna. When you're winning, you're going to be a team of all veterans. You know, we, you know, I really wish we were in the position to do, and maybe, maybe we are. I don't know what your guys' um, video game situation is, but maybe if we bought a couple versions of NBA 2020 or 2021 and NFL and did simulations, I wonder if you can do that. I guess you can't have a, you can't, can't change those things in. That's what we need to do. We need to talk to EA Sports. And have them program versions of those games where there's no draft, and then project everything twenty years out and see what happens. See if it's see if it ends up being you know the same. I think in the NFL too, there are some iconic franchises, but I don't think the players are drawn to those places mm-hmm. like they are in the NBA. So I think in the NFL, it's a it's a slightly different story. But I also think you know again we talk about these quarterbacks bringing in these rookie quarterbacks. And if you want to be confident enough to spend $150 million on someone after their third season, you better be able to have them for more than a year before that. I, and I think, too, yeah. the, fo- the football learning curve, you know, it takes a while to absorb a new system. And I think there's probably no rookie that's really prepared to play. And that's why, you know, you have to be a pretty extraordinary talent to, to start as a rookie. Yeah. yeah. And I- I mean, I, just, I do think it is a little bit different too with basketball where one generational talent can, you know, change your team. 
I mean, that, you know, that really can't happen with football, even generational quarterbacks have struggled at times. I mean, the Detroit lions have had two different sort of all world talents that they sort of totally blew up. But I mean, I just think at the end of the day, you know, there might be uh, for a, a football team that's willing to put in money, they might be able to get, you know, one or two sort of starters that can push them over the top. But I think that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the Packers, you know, drafting a, a middle linebacker will help us win the Super Bowl. I'm okay with the Chiefs shoring up their offensive line while some of the worst teams spend, you know, $200 million on quarterbacks who they're not going to be able to develop. I think you, you're t- t- taking some of the competition out of the front office too, though, which is, you know, part of the issue I have. Again, like you can, if a team drafts well and makes the most out of those resources, they can win championships and they can win consistent championships. And I think what's funny is the teams that have done that will have built up the, the reputation to attract, you know, the best players when hell freezes over and, and what you guys are suggesting actually happens. But, but, but I mean, even looking at the, the best players, if you're, you know, looking at sort of the great NFL players, how many of them weren't number one overall picks? I even, you know, Giannis, he was 15th overall. Uh, you know, Brady, Mahomes, Rogers, Breeze, none of these guys were number one overall picks. And, you know, it's probably due to going into situations that were a little bit better, and partially because I just don't think teams draft that well. I agree. And I, as again, as a Nick and jet fan, I'm, you know, I exhibits a and B, but I think, um, again, like you're not, you, you want to reward good decision-making and you want to punish bad decision-making and that's what's happening. And I think you, you're, what you're suggesting makes a great thought experiment, but I think in reality, if we actually put it into practice, it would, um, it would, cause more imbalance than we already have, which again is more of a problem in the NBA than the NFL. Although the Milwaukee Bucks just won the championship. So any, uh, any uh, concluding thoughts? Dave and I are right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, (laughs) I think when it comes down to it, uh, I'm less concerned about there being super teams in the NBA than I am about, you know, uh, Freedom labor, for, freedom for labor, people. Yeah. labor, getting the ability to, you know, choose where they want to work. I mean, you know, I'm in graduate school now. I'm going to be a, a librarian uh, soon and I'm going to be a hot, you know, sought after, uh, you know, person. I don't want to be forced to move to Arkansas. <laughs> but if uh, again now, wow, that's funny. Cause I almost said, well, what if they're paying you $3 million a year? But you're right. I mean, we, and that's been my argument for, for most things. And it's funny. Cause I, I am, the more we talk about it, the more I'm surprised I'm finding myself on the side of it, but I'm still on the side of it. I think it's, it's, it's what gives teams the chance to elevate themselves. And it is as, and again, I'm not for a, 27 round NFL draft. I think a round or two for basketball is good. We could even get rid of the second round. I think three rounds for football would be good. I don't think we need what we have. So, but Joe, let me ask you a quick, because you are, you're right. The draft does give those teams that opportunity, but there's nothing holding those teams 
to make the best of that opportunity. But we, you know, we're, we're going to start at a place where there are teams up here and teams down there. If we were starting a new league and all the teams were brand new with a blank slate with no reputation in the same market sizes, different, different story. But Los Angeles, Miami will always be more attractive to NBA players than Minnesota and Cleveland and Vancouver. Sorry, Dave. Rip, rip the Grizz. <laughs> the Grizz, the no, no longer existent Grizz. Um, you want right. to talk about something else, Joe? Well, yeah. Did you guys see this? Um, and it just came out this morning. The Sports Illustrated piece about the NFL's investigation, quote, air quote, investigation of Deshaun Watson. So apparently this. So when Ray Rice was 2014 and after receiving heaps of 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 valid criticism for the way they handled that investigation, which was atrocious. Mm-hmm. They um, formed a new policy where they were going to have an external investigator come in for matters like this. So perfect case to bring that external investigator in. So the women who had been questioned, which, you know, and these have been, these allegations have been out for a while. They've questioned 10 of the 22 accusers, only 10 of them so far. But a number of the ones who've been questioned came out and said basically that the the after the the inquiry, they felt like the the inquirer wasn't was not an unbiased investigator. They were someone who was looking to bo- booster the NFL's case and and you know accusing asking them what they were wearing and you know typically we, when we hear from victims of sexual assault, they freeze during the assault because you just, your rational brain is not processing what's happening to you. And it's, it's a very typical response. But again, these women have been questioned. Why, why did you freeze? Why didn't you run? Why didn't you stop the session? Well, that doesn't really happen. I mean, that that, you know, and so just, it, this is a really disturbing, very well-researched, very thorough article. I'll send you guys the link, and I'll I'll put it in the, the comments in the podcast version um, or in the description of the podcast version because this is this is awful. I mean, this this is as bad as that report after the Ray Rice situation was. This is just as disturbing. So I haven't heard this yet or, or, or read it yet, um, but that is upsetting. Maybe not that surprising, um, which is unfortunate. So, Joe, does that change your opinion at all? Does Deshaun Watson play this year? I don't know that this article it, it itself is going to do anything. And I, I want to give um, give the proper credits. Jenny Vrentas for Sports Illustrated. She's been an NFL writer for probably 16, 18 years now. And, um, but this is a really good, like I said, really thoroughly um, – thoroughly researched piece, but I don't know that it's going to move. I mean, it's not going to change the league's investigation. They're going to ask the other 12 women these exact same questions, I'm sure. Um, I would love to see that happen, but I doubt it. Dave? Yeah, I mean, I'm not particularly surprised. I mean, why is Deshaun Watson in training camp right now? I, I, you know, I think it, it, things around this got so quiet. I, uh, to me, it seems like the NFL is trying to sort of sweep it under the rug and, you know, 
I hope everyone forgot that he's been accused by, I think, 20, 24 women, right? Is the, I think it's 20, 22 right now that officially have, have filed lawsuits. Yeah, I think 22 have filed lawsuits, but 24 women in total have a, have accused him of things. I mean, there's just absolutely no reason he should be at training camp or Houston right now. Uh, it's Well, I think he's on this exempt list, so he's not at training camp, but he's being paid. That's That's the difference, right? He's still on this exempt list, isn't he? I, I know what the uh, like oh, last no, no, week there no, were, no, there no, were sorry. reports no, of sorry, him. That, uh, sorry, I take that back. That's Aubrey Huff. Right. Completely different, atrocious situation. Aubrey Huff is the one. No. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Aubrey Huff is the one who just got his Twitter account suspended. Uh, but, yeah, Trevor Bauer. Right. So, no, you're absolutely right, Dave. He's getting paid and he's in camp. And, you know, if the season started, he would be playing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wonder why the NFL is allowing him to stay there. I mean, as, uh, we've, all, we've said this before. The NFL is always so reactive to situations, and I think they know their, their own power, so they just feel like, eh, you know, even if it does turn out bad for us, it's only going to be bad for a month, and we'll get over it. And um, Because in my opinion – I mean, I do believe there are accusations and that stuff needs to play out, but the league should be, hey, while it plays out, but clearly, you know, we're not talking one or two women that are making these accusations, 24 or 22. Um, and, and the league probably should be more proactive in saying, take some time away when this gets sorted out, if you're good to come back you come back if you've got to do your own thing and but the nfl i think is they realize that they're too big to fail which is not not a good thing well right because you the, the logical explanation would be that they're trying to protect their product but how much does the nfl product really suffer if deshaun watson doesn't play this year who, who knows you actually might get a few more women to enthusiastically support the league if you punish some of these these offenders like like you should but doesn't happen. Doesn't happen on this side of the border. Do sexual offenders get punished in Canada, Dave? Um, my my guess would be, you know, by and large, no. Um, but it's I, I'm actually curious about this. I or Matt or Joe or either of you have either of you heard of the Chicago Blackhawks uh, scandal? Uh, which one? So they uh, in 2009, 2010, a video coach. Uh, two former players have come forward and said that a video coach sexually assaulted them. They told the organization, a therapist in the organization or like a sports, something in the organization, you know, basically said it was their fault. Uh, Everyone in the organization knew players allegedly, uh, you know, in the next few years were bullying the player that came forward (laughs) using sort of homophobic slurs of practice. Um, well, were the players named? No, they're 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 both. Um, neither has been named yet. But uh, so this hasn't really. It seems like something that's gotten very little traction. I hadn't heard uh, about this at all, and it was sounds like essentially Jerry Sandusky, you know, twelve years ago. Yeah, and with you know actual players on the team, I think there's a whole bunch of other stuff now that's coming out. But um, yeah, so I think the NHL is the one thing the NFL has going for it is they handle these things you know, a little bit better than the NHL, which is sort of the, you know, as, as bad as you can get. 
Yeah, I hadn't heard anything of that. That's interesting. I'm going to look at, I'm going to be, I've got some reading to do tonight then. <laughs> yeah, and, but I think you're right, Dave. The, NF, the NHL does seem to have the most old school mentality. I mean, we see they're the ones that still allow fist fights. And I don't know if you guys saw this um, Malice in the Palace documentary. Really good, really good stuff. It just came out last week, I think. Um, and just sort of good at telling the story, the lead up and the aftermath story, you know, as well as some incredible footage from that night. But um, I think, um, yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought there, but we. Um, yeah, but uh, to, to your you know point, the culture, I think, around hockey sort of broadly is this uh, extremely sort of bad old boys network. I think they're with the junior hockey league up here in Canada. I think there have been sort of a lot of different scandals involving hazing uh, players being assaulted by coaches players, you know, assaulting other people. And it's sort of all swept under the rug. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hockey and lacrosse seem to have the worst reputation among sports for, for that sort of thing. You know, and I don't know, I guess you, Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Well, no, I, I mean, because I actually, that's interesting. And, and maybe this can be a, a different show for a different time. And could, is that, you know, are, are you referring to like sort of the attitude of the athletes themselves, the hockey players, the lacrosse players? I just mean room mentality. Well, but I, I was, I was thinking about it kind of from the incident end. Like it seems like most of the incidents that we hear about of this sort of athletic hazing are, our hockey and lacrosse teams. I may be wrong. I, that's interesting. I mean, I, that's interesting. I think maybe let's take Maybe we table this more detailed conversation for another show. Ooh, well, I, I can say from my own personal experience playing sports in high school and college, you know, football, baseball, basketball, golf, never went through anything even remotely like hazing in any of those sports. I mean, even, even as a freshman football player, not, not nothing. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, and my, now you mentioning that makes me think like, you know, the locker room culture of, you know, the youth part of it. And what I can think of, excuse me, like what, even when you're playing youth hockey, you're in a locker room where coaches aren't always there or kind of, you know, again, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not really seeing everything. I'm purposefully not listening. I grew up playing youth football where there are no locker rooms, you know, and you, it, for us, halftime, we're sitting in an end zone eating oranges, right, you, know, yeah. you show up to the game in your uniform. Um, and so there isn't that sort of those locker room behaviors going on. So I, I think the culture of that sport changes, whereas in hockey and in lacrosse, I, I didn't play lacrosse, so I'm not, but I, I did have cousins played hockey and I remember, you know, youth hockey you're in the locker room coaches are are out in the hallway waiting for their players to come out they're not watching the locker room but even if that's the case those coaches are responsible for the atmosphere in that locker room and mm -hmm. they're responsible for the conduct of the players when they're in the locker room so i think you know yeah that's the reality the physical reality of it but the the spiritual reality of it is you better you better know what's going on in your locker room as a coach yeah, I mean, and maybe nowadays it's different. I, I I do remember my cousins. I had younger cousins playing, and they played youth hockey. And coaches were in the in the 
I don't know, not a hallway, but you know, when, right when you come out before you get on the ice, the coaches are kind of waiting there while the players get dressed. And maybe that's also too for, you know, Hey, I got to give the players privacy when they're getting dressed. I'm an adult. You're a young guy. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's um, funny because I, I coached high school in two different locations and in, in one, we had a window from the coach's office that looked out into the locker room and we could monitor all of it at any time. But in the other two cases, sorry, three, three different places. In the other two cases, it was the locker room and the coach's facility were separate. So hmm. yeah, you don't always have that ability to, to monitor in, in real time, but again, you should know what's going on in there. And especially something like, like hazing. And we see that when these things get prosecuted, it's often the coaches that are held somewhat responsible. So as they should, as they should. So we're uh, getting close to time here. Dave, do you have anything you want to uh, promote? Any projects? No, I, you know, I can't say that I do, but I just want to thank uh, both of you for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for coming thanks on. For is, coming your on. First, yeah, is this your first radio appearance since uh, WMUA days? Uh, it, it might be my second. Um, I think I, I was – no, no, it's I, I actually had a – a radio show, uh, a digital radio show for a little bit, uh, 2014 or so. Some of that young whippersnapper music that you love so much. Yeah. Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave's into music that's not music. So electronically created garbage. Hey, it's, it's not all garbage. It's not all garbage. <laughs> I just don't understand anything that's happened since 1994. That's my... my you know, a lot of, a lot of the... Uh, house i listened to is from the 80s so huh. i didn't really uh, I, yeah, i'm out of my element there talking that uh, hey i got we got like 30 seconds left the giants win six games this year i'm not uh oh god the number goes down every week it does and and, and it, it's not so much because of the fight but uh they're just gonna be a bad team dave you yeah, six a- games six and eleven that might win the division though 10 yeah, seconds yeah. dave got a prediction for the packers uh, I think I'll go with 13 and four. Wow. Okay. That's it. 13 and four, Aaron Rodgers MVP, and then he gets traded to the Giants. Thanks, everybody. Listen, come miss you, Daryl. <laughs> Sports Plus. Thanks for listening. <laughs>